You're listening to the Union Podcast. The Union is a movement dedicated to discovering God's design for sexuality, His hope for restoration, and the power of our destiny through Jesus. Please enjoy today's podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Union Podcast. My name is Brian and I'm the co-founder of the Union Movement alongside my wife Bonnie. And today, Bonnie gets to sit down with a good friend of ours, uh, Rihanna, and she is going to share her story. Rihanna works uh, in Japan, um, helping to bring truth and the message of God's design for sexuality and purity and restoration, all these amazing, beautiful topics uh, to the people of Japan. And she's got a really unique perspective and story, and uh, I think you're going to be really encouraged by it. If this uh, is helpful for you and you've enjoyed any of these podcasts, we'd really appreciate it if you would take the time to uh, just review it and leave a response. And uh, of course, always, if you ever have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Um, but if you do leave a review, it just helps us to be more accessible to others. So we so appreciate it. And uh, we hope that you enjoy today's podcast episode. Well, thank you for listening to this episode with the Union. I'm Bonnie, and I'm here with my friend Rihanna from Japan. Different time zones right now. I'm recording in the evening, but she's midday the next day. So welcome. Glad to have you with us. Hi, everyone. So Rihanna and I um, connected last, I think it was last summer. We have a mutual friend who said, uh, Bonnie, you need to meet Rihanna because she is doing a work in Japan that is very similar to what you guys are doing with the union. So happened to be that we were able to meet up um, at a local coffee shop um, nearby. You were in town for how you were in in Canada, right? For was it just a couple weeks you were in Canada? I was in Canada for um, seven weeks, but only in BC for like a week and a half or something. And so yeah, it was so cool that we managed to meet, honestly. Yeah, especially with, I mean, both of us had busy schedules, but we just felt like it was important that we met and we did and we hit it off right away. And just, I loved mm. that we were able to uh, really relate to the, the work you're doing in Japan and the motivations are so similar to what our heart is uh, with the union movement. So can mm. you, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, Pure Heart Japan? Tell us about that. Sure. So yeah, I'm originally from Canada born in Saskatoon, um, but I was raised in Asia as a missionary kid, and I lived in Japan twice as a 20-something, and then moved back to Japan last March. Um, so, well, it'll be about two years now since wow. I've been here. Yeah, and it's a long story how we started Pure Heart Japan, but um, it's just been really amazing. There's no ministries that deal specifically with this topic in Japan at all. Hmm. And it was big. It started at a time where the churches were um, starting to be able to be comfortable with this topic. Cause it's been in Japan. It's all over the world. It's kind of like, um, don't go there in the church topic where we're just starting to start talking, but in Japan, even more so. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we just set this, this ministry up as a place to talk about things that are not usually discussed in churches, like romance, dating, singleness, sex, and sexuality, and take a look at God's heart about what he's saying on these things. Wow. And what's, yeah. the, what's the reception been like with people? What are you, what are you finding? So we share this message both in the churches to Christians and also to people who don't 
have any knowledge of Jesus or the Bible. And so we share in different ways. We have different um, Instagram pages because, yeah, you know, you just have to present it in kind of different ways. But in the church, I just think like worldwide, there's the same kind of statistics of, you know, struggles with porn addiction or divorces and all these things. The statistics mirror what what is among people who aren't Christians and the church. And so there's a lot of um, desire to hear people talk about these topics. There's so many questions that people have. And yeah, so as soon as we start a conversation on this topic here, it's like this, um, the response is a gusher almost people then wow. share all this stuff that they've just been dying for someone to start a conversation on. Yes. So it's just a, pl- this whole topic is kind of a place that's been stuck to the the secret places of a person's life. Mm-hmm. And when it's so secret, then people feel like they're the only ones that have a struggle or they really don't know the right way to go because no one's telling them. And so they're just trying to figure it out. Totally. Based on what they watch on TV often. Totally. And, and that so can we be so skewed. Yeah. We find the same thing. And something that I'll joke with people about is as soon as you start talking about sex or relationships, the crowd just goes quiet. Like they just absorb Mm -hmm. what you're saying. And I say, like, I don't really have to be a good communicator if I, you know, like if you just talk about sex and relationships, people want to listen to you because they are so hungry for um, like someone tell like guide me. I mean, of course, I of course we hit up against like what? Why? That sounds so, you know, with God, it can be like. God's standards are that so strong or that's so extreme, God. Why would you ask that of us? But yeah, there's a curiosity and the sense of like, well, I saw brokenness in my friends or I saw brokenness in my parents or I've experienced my own brokenness. So maybe uh, maybe I am hungry to learn of a different way. And so, yes. so I'm excited. In, yeah. Sorry. In Japan, there's a lot of brokenness in terms of marriages and things. And now young people are looking at that and kind of thinking that they don't want to get married. Mm -hmm. There's a statistic that they just released that he said in 2040, so in 20 years, Japan Mm -hmm. is supposed to be 40% single. Wow. So 40% Japan will be single people living alone. And like old in their older years, like not just single because they're young, but single. No, that's generally that young people though. That's yeah. talking about, yeah, mm. people that never marry will be 40%. Wow. I'd be curious yeah. to see what North America's statistics are. I think we have, we see that same attitude here too of even it would, I think a lot of people feel like it would be better to just live together than to right. have a failed marriage. At least then the yeah. door is kind of open. I can get out a little right. easier and. Yeah, why don't you tell yeah. me a little bit? I know you had you had shared some interesting stats with me before. If you want to share a little bit about what Japan is, what is looking like there for Japan? Yeah, and these are statistics that shock Japanese people. Mm. So it's again because it is a hidden topic. But one of them that I heard last week was pretty shocking. That if a woman had, if it was feasible for her financially and if it wouldn't impact her children, 80% of women would, would like to get divorced. Wow. And this was a survey that was done among um, 30s, 40s mm-hmm. in that age group. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was shocking. Yeah. Yeah. 80%. So, Whoa. Yeah. And another percentage, uh, another statistic is that after the first child, 50% of marriages go sexless or cold. Wow. Yeah. 
So, mm-hmm. and then there's just, as in Canada, there's just so many ways for people to purchase intimacy. Yeah. So, so many ways in Japan for men to purchase intimacy and women to purchase intimacy. And it's just like going so far from God's beautiful design for the individual to be, you know, in healthy, have healthy sexuality, to have a healthy marriage, yeah. to have a healthy relationship with God and yeah, it just seems so far. And so I feel really excited to share what, yeah, from God's heart into these situations, because it just feels so, there's so many things to share into here in Japan and in the world. Yeah, seriously. In this day, day, it's like quite exciting to be having a ministry like this. (laughs) That's so good. So I'm going to encourage everybody to check out, follow Rihanna and follow Pure Heart Japan, the ministry, the work that they're doing there. Um, yeah, we're praying. We Rayanna and I have pretty much monthly phone conversations where we brainstorm and talk through different projects that we're working on and pray for one another and just bounce ideas off off of each other. So it's been really awesome to see the work that you're doing and to get to uh even though we're across, you know, across the world, we still are connected. <laughs> A union of voices. That's what we've always wanted to it's to make evident is that this isn't just about Brian or myself talking about this thing, but that there are people all over the world. And I mean, I just connected with a a, a man in India who's has a, another, it's a ministry oh, wow. similar to this. I know I haven't even told you about that. Um, and that's so exciting to me. It's like the same <laughs> message is raising, is being risen. Another woman in Australia, you know, like uh, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of voices. So why don't you share, uh, share with us just for a few minutes here about what actually is what initiated your passion for this topic of sexuality and healthy relationships? Sure, yes. So this month is actually a really fun um, celebratory anniversary for me. Mm. So January marks 10 years of trying this out, of walking God's way in terms of my desires and my heart, in terms of my relationships with men mm-hmm. and all of this. And before that, it was exactly 10 years of walking my own way in this area and really being modeling my own behavior after what I saw in TV. Yeah. Cause yeah, especially like I grew up in Asia and then I, when I was moving back to Canada, I was looking at the different, you know, videos of the nineties, movies of the nineties and thought that's how everyone dates in the real world. And mm. so I, when I moved back to Canada, I kind of just like went right into that and Um, I really feel like I didn't understand, um, what those initial choices, what lay down that road in the end of that road, Mm. you know, because the initial choices are a lot of fun, you know, affirmation, you feel like excited about whatever. And, um, like to have guys pursue you or to feel like uh, someone's attracted to you or yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And but I, I really experienced that road for a full 10 years. And at the end of it, there was so much brokenness. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that God ever desired that my heart would be broken that many times. And yeah, so I just really have such a desire for people to know, to make informed choices around the choices that they make in relationships. So, so to know fun. that, yeah. I just think about Adam and Eve, like when they bit that apple in the garden, 
they really didn't know what they were signing up for because, mm-hmm. you know, the snake was saying all these different things and tempted them to eat that apple. Right. But they were basically signing on the bottom line for like the, the consequences that they would um, enter into through that action. And I didn't know that each of my actions had effect like that. So, yeah. So you're in a way trying to rescue people from the path that you chose that you like that had only just led you to pain and, and regret. Yeah. Yeah. I just think let's make choices with our eyes open. Mm -hmm. I didn't make choices with my eyes open. I thought that it was fine, whatever I was doing that, you know, God wasn't happy about it, but that he forgives. So it's okay. Right. Was a big deal. And then once you start making those decisions, it's really easy to keep on making those decisions Mm -hmm. because it's like, I've already done it anyway. And so, yeah. And so I just, want to encourage young people or whatever age people to just make decisions with their eyes open saying knowing what they're signing up for right yeah and then god gave us all free choice so yeah they know what that choice is going to do and so i like this kind of analogy of two roads because i think the the really wide road of the you know Mm -hmm. the way of doing relationships is um really fun in the beginning, but it really does end in, um, sorrow and stuff. If you play that out the whole way and you just keep on those patterns yeah. and God, God's road is like really, really challenging, but it really does ultimately lead to like wholeness and peace and joy. Like these things I really could not experience that other way. Yeah. God has shown me so much in that. And so, yeah, I just want to share that with everyone that I can. That's so powerful. And you are a writer. I, I've had the privilege of reading some of your work and you, uh, yeah, you've been working on a project even um, of compiling old journal entries of the things that you've gone through and being, I just love your vulnerability and transparency where you're, you're compiling it and making it, thinking about trying to make it available for people of like, do you want to mm-hmm. see what, do you want to see behind the curtain, that facade of like, oh, those girls who pretend like they have it all together and they just you know, know how to work the room or put on the face, but at home, do you want to know what they're thinking? And I just, yeah, I'm really excited because I think it's going to give hopefully some young women a lot of perspective of what, like you said, that they would make an informed decision and knowing that they're not an exception to the rule. That was something a mentor told me early in my, in my teen years. He just said, Bonnie, you are not an exception to the rule. And I think of, you know, the, the story of Adam and Eve and God saying to them, like, if you eat it, you will die. But then mm. the temptation comes and says, like, no, not you. Like, you won't die. Like, right. you're the exception. Like, why would you die? Right. And I think there's a lot of young people and older people too who just, when they face a, a sexual temptation, they think, really, what could be the big deal? You know, really, yeah. how, how bad could it be? Yeah. And, and then there's a distortion of the character of God, even of, that he's just trying to keep something good for, from us instead of knowing that he he does know us better than we know ourselves and what's good for us and stuff like that. So, yeah. And just hearing people teach about, you know, purity and, you know, just wait until marriage. Don't do this until marriage. It just isn't enough, you know? Yes. It's just not enough to just say that and be done with the conversation. And so those journal entries that I'm wanting to actually publish mm-hmm. are they were where I really prayed to God and I really wanted to understand why he made these rules, why he set these instructions. Right. 
wasn't just because he wanted to um, prevent us from whatever, having fun and stuff, Mm -hmm. but it was actually to, I don't know, he just shared his heart behind those instructions. And then once I saw his heart and saw how good he is, I just wanted to follow those things because I just trusted that he knew the end of that road. And so that's why I just... Yeah, want to surrender to that now. That's so cool. And I guess I haven't even mentioned this yet, is that you are still a single woman, right? And so you're walking this road of trust, 10 years doing things your own way, led to sorrow, and now 10 years of uh, being single and still just entrusting your future to the Lord and entrusting, um, you know, your sexuality to the Lord and walking in Mm -hmm. a journey of healing and restoration, as you shared with me. And so... um, so for those of you who are out there and maybe you're single and you're listening to her and you're like, oh, easy for you to say you're married now. It's like, well, no, actually, she's trumpeting this message as a single woman. And I just love um, her dedication to it. So um, maybe on that note about, you know, singleness and being married, um, can you share a little bit with me about um, that journey of how you've learned what it, the value of, of your season of being single? Yeah. I mean, and that's a roller coaster in itself because there are some times, some months, some seasons that are just so hard and it's like, come on, God, I've waited for so long, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there are times of contentedness as well. And so, yeah, I just feel like all singles will say, yes, that's so true. (laughs) Cause not yeah so right now I'm in a very content place very much um when I moved to Japan almost two years ago I really had to adjust to um this new level of relationship that's in Japan it's just a little bit different and so I did struggle and I was like come on god you know Mm -hmm. yeah but sorry what was your question (laughs) (laughs) no just about the the lessons you've learned about what it is to be a healthy single and um Uh, we talked about we've talked about before about just how sometimes in Christian culture there can even be an idolization of marriage, and yeah. so just what you've what you've discovered along the way when it comes to that. Yeah, um, and also how the church, which is made up of singles and married people and families, how the married people can stand with singles mm-hmm. during that walk. Cause you literally are standing alone. That's what you're doing as a single person. And, and if like the church, the church's families can like come around singles, the so singles in your life. I just feel like befriending singles is a mutual blessing. Like you will yeah. bless their life and they will also bless your life. Absolutely. And so I've been cha- challenged myself and, um, my friends in how we can walk towards being healthy singles. And that was kind of this new concept almost that I saw on this really cool, um, Instagram page called true love dates, which I recommend everyone check out Okay, um, where she was just saying like the church spends so much time, um, helping marriages that are unhealthy mm-hmm. and not that, that many sermons or whatever are focused on, healthiness for singles and so she's like why don't we just back it up and spend more time helping singles to get healthy so that they can have healthy marriages so that we're not always going to be in this crisis mode of helping marriages wow so 
in Pure Heart Japan, we've kind of focused this year on simultaneously doing a marriage series by two married couples and then a single talk series by me. And so at the same time and not wanting to neglect either. Yes. Because both are so important. But I think that there hasn't been a lot of focus on singles in terms of like how to walk this out, how to the goal is to to walk like Jesus. Jesus was single his whole life on earth and he was like a complete full person. He lacked nothing. That's so good. And yeah. He walked in contentedness and in abundance, I believe. He had relationships and yeah. so that is our goal. So not to be like always longing to be married, always feeling lonely, always feeling like we're lacking something, but aim to be like Jesus was. Yeah. So I just heard this quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he was a voice for community, like what you're saying there about um, um, about not living alone. And he said to the one who feels, I'm, I'm definitely paraphrasing this, I don't have it in front of me, but to the one who feels like he can't be alone, like he has to learn to find fulfillment with like kind of with the Lord. But to the one who feels like he has to be alone, that person has to like find a way to to link into community. And so it's like that sense of finding health at no, at any stage where you are. And that marriage is not like the finish line of the race. I feel like I see that in culture here in North America as well. And I feel for the single people in my world who it's almost like they're waiting for their, they maybe feel like they have to wait for their life to begin or even wait for ministry mm-hmm. to begin or wait for influence to begin. Um, they have to wait to get married in order for that to happen. And I, I am sad about that within the church. I think that there are some really incredible, like incredible examples of single people, Jesus included, of course, but lots of other examples too, of, of heroic people who have impacted society. And I think it's clear in, um, in the, in the letters to the Corinthian church where the apostle Paul was saying, like, when you are single, you need to realize like how much you can, how much influence you can have and that mm-hmm. you won't um, that when you're married and when you, and you choose to have children, like the, your, your interests will be divided into a lot of practical things as well. Um, providing for your, you know, for your children or taking care of your spouse, that kind of stuff. And so for all you single people out here from a married woman and from a single woman, we're both saying that your life, uh, it can be full and you can be influential right now don't have Mm -hmm. to wait for don't have to wait for marriage for your life to start yeah and because I am now in my early 30s I have had a lot of friends get married and so actually hearing most of my friends express to me um, things that they they had taken for granted during their singleness and things that they wish they could have again is what is really motivating me to live each day really aware of um, what I have now as a single and the freedom and things like that yeah and yeah, just really enjoying that because it is, yeah, I do. I do desire to be married so that I know that this is like a season of time. Mm -hmm. So that was helpful to hear because they were living like many people live, like really desiring that like marriage to start. So always living for that next Mm -hmm. season of life. So yeah, but I do think, um, another thing I've been learning very deeply this past year, 2019 is 
yes, the beauty of relationships and how God um, created us all to be in relationships and community, right? Mm -hmm. But as a Christian growing up in the church, I just somehow, um, I, I, I did have a relationship with Jesus, but my first relationship was always a person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there was always Christians, like my friends that would be there to, to talk with me or my, you know, really good people with good advice, pray for me, et cetera. But I was actually missing that forging that primary relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, um, something shifted in my heart just in 2019. So recently where instead of second, he became first. Mm -hmm. And I really think that that is so important. And I think that Jesus, when he was on earth, he was so content because he had that first relationship with God. Right. So he wasn't just running around starving for, for people. Right. I've been in that place too, as a single person where I was so starving for human connection. Yeah. I just like really wanted to hang out with my friends. And when it was over, I felt sad because then I'm going back to my apartment, you know, right. That shifted in 2019 where instead of just always being like, Hey, I'm not alone. Jesus is with me. I believe it in my head. It actually became something I knew in my heart that no, I actually, I'm not alone. Wow. When I go into my times with my friends, I don't come from that hungry place anymore. I'm coming from a place where I'm really, my heart is grounded in that first community with Jesus. Commun yeah. That's so good. We have a, yeah. um, a good friend of ours, Jim Anderson, and he'll say that the lesson of singleness is realizing that there are some needs in my life that only Christ can fill. Um, and so I heard that when I was a single woman um, and, and I just leaned into that as well. Just like, Hey, God, help me to learn that lesson then before I get married. And it, yes. and it stood out to me over the years, so many times where there's, where, I mean, newsflash, <laughs> when you get married, your spouse just doesn't, they can't be perfect and they can't fulfill all your needs and they will disappoint you. And there's so many times where I've, I've thought, Oh, but I've learned this lesson before. I've learned mm -hmm. that I can't bring all my needs to Brian, to my husband. I need to bring my needs to, um, to the Lord first. And so, um, so way to go, like way to, and way to be spreading that message. And if you're a single person right now listening to this, it's just like lean into that. And, um, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I have, yeah, I have great fond memories of those years from when I was about 19, 20 21 before I was in a relationship with Brian just as a single woman where I felt like um yeah it's like I learned how to hear the voice of the Lord which sounds so abstract I'm thinking oh if some people if they don't know what that feels like it's like it's real like he um yeah he knows how to meet us and it says God is spirit and so he can um yeah he can speak to your spirit and so if you're listening right now and you're thinking well I, I deal with loneliness at like an epidemic, like it's an epidemic in my life. Then I would just say, even just pause this podcast right now. And you can just say, God, like, I would love to begin a friendship with you and show me what these women are talking about. I would like to experience that, you know? Yeah. It'll change everything. Give you the strength. I like what you said. Now you go into, into community filled up rather than into community starving. starving. It does yeah. feel like starving. Yes. Um, like, please, someone affirm my haircut. Please, someone notice right. that I'm funny. Please, someone, you know, <laughs> tell me that I look good or that I whatever that I'm important. Please, someone text me and ask me to hang out. Right. Like you kind of get a little bit desperate. So 
I bet you're enjoying <laughs> your friendships even a lot more now. Yeah, for sure. So important. And I think that's part of the healthy singles to healthy marriage because yeah, when we, we don't know these things, we think just exactly what you said, but then we will pull too much from our, our husband and want him to fulfill all, all of our needs. And I think that that will put a great pressure on the marriage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> we're not meant to be the ones to fulfill all those needs and stuff, but yeah. Jesus. And so. Totally. I mean, there's a story of John or in the book of John where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And I love that he talks to her in the language of thirst because she's the one who has jumped from relationship to relationship. And Jesus is like, hey, listen, like if you knew who you were talking to, then you could ask for water and you from me and you'd never be thirsty again. Yeah. Right. So it's like he's talking the language of of appetite and and saying, like, you don't have to run to men to get that filled up. Like I'm I'll fool you in a different way. So. All right. Yeah, that's so good. I just want to um, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball the conversation here. And I want to bring up um, a phrase that. I know I've noted and you mentioned that you've been noting on social media a lot of a lot of people who are um, maybe grew up in the church like you and I both did. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and specifically, even a lot of females who are using this phrase um, purity culture and using it in a negative tone, um, just saying about how there was so much pressure um, of, and negative pressure for as though the women were in charge of the sex drives of the men and kind of like, girl, you have to make sure that you, it, it kind of, it, what we've found is that these women felt like they're, they started to actually dis, despise their own bodies or their own sexuality. Kind of the sense like sex is bad. My body's bad. My, even my, my beauty is bad because it causes men to be tempted and lust after me and kind of like the purity of purity of culture is resting on the shoulders of the women quick cover them up like that kind of stuff anyway so you and I both also grew up in the church um and I'd love to hear your thoughts on um you know just on this this idea of purity culture what you've noticed how it maybe if it impacted you uh, or what you think about um about what mm-hmm. you're seeing now with women pushing back against that yeah. phrase because you and I have had probably different experiences of that, but grew up at the same time mm-hmm. in, in the, you know, I kissed dating goodbye book. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, I've just been seeing some posts recently continuing actually, like in the last couple of years of people, women wanting to deconstruct their faith around purity culture, basically deconstruct what they even believed about God in terms of, all of that because there was a lot of man-made messages that were being said that people began to even change how how they viewed God and how he was viewing them and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I understand of it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I was hearing like people were reading the book in youth group and stuff when I was growing up, but I really resisted it because I just, I don't know, I, I rebelled against it actually, which landed me in my own situation but I I was just reflecting about how um yeah I'm just thankful because I I did process these kinds of things in my own actions and stuff with God and I prayed through all of these things so I didn't ever have like that bad relationship with um how I viewed sexuality Mm. I didn't 
perceive it as shameful and things like that. Of course, I had my own um, things that I had to journey through in terms of, um, yeah, not so, believing that God is mad and stuff. But so it's almost like you you felt maybe guilt or shame because of decisions that you'd made, but not just that sexuality itself was shameful or bad. Right. Which is what I think a lot of women have taken away from um, kind of that, like we're saying, that purity message that was spoken maybe in the, probably the 90s, you know, when we were in those formative years, adolescent years. Yeah, I heard someone say that um, there was two extreme reactions that came out of that. Mm. So one group, they got overly curious about sex. Mm. And then another group um, feared sex. Yeah, And so even when they got married, they really struggled with that switch that suddenly said sex is not bad. Right. It was really hard for them because their whole life they had been taught or they believed sex is bad. Yeah. So, so do you swung yeah, more so to the side? Yeah. To the side of curiosity. Perhaps. But also, I just remember this really funny experience where um, this guy came up to me with a wearing like a male tank top. Mm. He was like, I was 15. He was 16. He was like, Brianna, we got to tell you that um, that you shouldn't wear tank tops because they make boys stumble. And he was wearing a tank top. And I just thought it was super funny. And so that's how I saw the purity culture. I was like, eh. <laughs> that sounds like that sounds hypocritical. What do, what do we have? a devil? Yeah. yeah. So therefore, I just kind of like laughed it off a little bit, but so funny. But I have had friends who expressed, um, yeah, being in that area, and I'm just like, like in terms of um, hearing these negative messages for so long. So yeah, because we, I think, when we talk about yeah, even within the union or pure heart Japan, it's like the word purity. We don't want to have it. We don't want it to come with a negative connotation of those, like you said, those man-made pressures or man-made rules, um, yeah. but rather more the word purity to have to do with that sense of wholeness or like that of not feeling dirty, you know, because sometimes the things that we've done or the things that have been done to us, even things that are said to us, even the way people, someone has looked at us. I don't know. Or things we've seen. Totally. Yeah. It can leave us feeling marred or dirty or like, um, yeah, just distorted. And so the it's like the sense that God actually loves to give purity as a gift. Not it's not like a it's not like a track record of our decisions or things that have been done to us, but rather just like the just the position and the desire of our heart of like, God, I just want to be able to be like in front, like I want to be able to show my heart to you and not be ashamed of anything. And um, and God loves to come and just restore, you know, um, even the things that we've done wrong. He loves to, to wash us clean of those things. Yeah. And so, yeah. So recognizing that, that sex itself is good. It's invent. It was invented by God. Um, mm. God is not a man. He's not a sexual being. So it's like when when we say God made sex, it's not because he's has some level of perversion in him at all. It was like no. he actually just created it as good as something for humanity to enjoy, for a husband and wife to find pleasure in one another, um, and to obviously to um, bring about the next generation as well. But um, yeah, our bodies aren't bad. I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but um, something that, because something that's so strange, but maybe maybe common, um, is that I find that a lot of jokes are made about body parts. 
um, I know it's common, so it sounds funny that I would even point it out, but even within our, with our children, um, it's amazing how many cartoons and how many um, movies just make like people's backsides be the joke or, uh-huh. you know, like body parts to be this laughing matter. Um, and so over the years, we've had to have conversations with them about like when God made Adam, did he like give him a penis and then laugh about it? Did he give Eve her breasts and then point and like mock them? No, he said like, this is good. And so that's what we're going to echo God and say, our bodies are good. And, and as I get mm-hmm. older, then for us to have that same message about, um, about sexual expression as well, that it actually is meant to be a good thing. So, yeah. Another related thing I just thought of, but just how many um, insults are based on genitalia. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. So guard, yeah, we got to guard over our minds and over our, our mindsets when it comes to like be able to bless your own body, you know, single or married that you would be able to look in the mirror, even, you know, it sounds funny, but even if like when you're getting changed that you're able to bless it and say like, I, yeah, I just, my body is good, you know, mm-hmm. including my sexual parts. So, yes. And I really, really love so much, so many verses in the Bible talk about, um, he washes us white as snow and these sorts of things and mm. being a new creation in him. And, um, I've had, I've had people like say to me things about how, you know, not being a virgin or something is a forever mark that, you know, many good guys, like they don't, mm. they won't be interested in that or whatever. And I literally don't feel that at all because of, I know that I am pure. I know that, you know, that's so good. It doesn't, doesn't affect me at all. That's powerful. Because Jesus's blood is so powerful that it just like washed everything. And so, yeah, I don't have a bad relationship with the word purity at all. I just honestly see it beautiful as, as something beautiful, not um, a list of rules to like, um, what's the word? Like oppress or push. Women oppress. Mm-hmm. Not at all. But the, the really just the best way to walk out our sexuality, both men and women with the equal rules, totally. it's not different rules for you. Like you can wear tank top. You can't, I'm just, I'm not saying tank tops are bad, but no, I get you. Know, guys, girls do not have different sets of rules around this topic. It's just best ways for, um, how to honor one another and honor ourselves and honor God and honor our sexuality. That to me is what purity is. And the beauty of, um, how he just washes people white as snow, no matter what. So that's right. You know, in Japan, we work with, you know, in the church and then we also do prayer walks in the red light area. And it's just with all my heart, I believe that no matter what, even if someone, you know, um, was a, a prostitute for years and years and years, like they can be white as snow as, yes. as virgin in God. And Absolutely. So, I love yeah, that. we can't say that Jesus's sacrifice on the cross is not enough to pay for all of that. So. Come on, that is so good, and I love that what you said that about. Um, I I also hate it when I hear messages like that of like, oh, you know, oh, a, someone who's not a virgin anymore. It's like tape that's lost its stick, stickiness and it won't be able to bond with. You know, have you ever heard people mm-hmm. do that where it's like, oh, like. <laughs> it just is broken it's used good or chewed gum that's not going to be you know no one's going to want it it's like no that's not accurate like 
like men and women who are captivated by the Lord, they don't walk around with a checklist asking questions about other people's body history. They're looking for mm-hmm. someone who they can like partner with to build the kingdom and who will, you know, have similar values. So the past does not have to dictate the future, even when it comes to your marriage. And of mm-hmm. course, there'll be like tender conversations that'll be had and there'll be natural right. emotions that you have to go through. But um, I mean, even Brian's and my stories are very different. And I remember when he shared with me some like some of the more um, difficult parts of his past. I remember that night going to bed it and and just wrestling with it. Um, and I just there's a verse in Acts where God said to Peter, um, like, don't call anything unclean that I have called clean. You know, and it just felt like just so peaceful, like, right. I, Yeah, God gets to make that decision. And and when we when we come to him with our the feeling, you know, like the feeling of impurity that or like that sense of impurity, we bring it before him and say, like, like, God, I'm sorry. Like, I, I wish I wouldn't have gone this road. Like, I I see now what I did to myself and what I did to others. Forgive mm-hmm. me, you know, and. And to trust that he can wash us. He can wash us. So. Yeah. And having a correct um, a correct view of how of what God looks like, how he's looking at us and how how he sees us. And yes. so with what you just said, I just agree with what with how God sees me. And so I see I choose to see myself the way God sees me. And so I think can you share with me um what you told me you told me previous in a previous conversation about that picture that you had of, of the Lord that really helped you overcome the shame of what had happened in your, in your past. Could you share that with us? Yes. Um, yeah, over the 10 years of, um, walking in God's ways, especially in the beginning, there was a lot of restoration that I walked through and, um, it's been quite a long time now, but even just last year, I was, I realized through prayer and just the Holy Spirit's so good. He shows us things in our hearts that we can't see ourselves. And so he showed me that there was still a place in my heart that I was keeping from God. And this was in the time where I was just really needing to know his love so much as I was really wanting to walk into what it means to be a healthy single, Mm -hmm. fully secure in God's love. And I realized that there was part of my heart that I was keeping from him from way back. And it was this kind of room that was, you know, my um, sexual sin past. And in my mind, I just thought that, you know, I know that God loves me, but I thought that about that topic of my life, that he he was angry at me. Mm-hmm. And, and that during all those times when I, because I also I knew kind of what the Bible said, and I I knew that what I was doing was not right. So I thought that he was, in each of those moments, he was like angrily pacing outside of the room, right? stressed out and just feeling disgusted with me. And that was my pers- pers- like portrayal of him in this area of my life. And um, I felt like he was saying that he really wanted me to open that door to him because he, he doesn't just go into our heart without us inviting him into the different places of our hearts. And so I felt like he said to open that part up to him. And I was really scared because I didn't want to relive like that feeling of how angry he must have been at me. This was just what I believed all these years. And so when I opened that door, he showed me that 
during even all those moments of sin in my past, that Jesus was actually like kneeling there, kneeling down beside the bed and just like looking at me and crying and saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. And that was where he was during every single moment of sin in my life. He wasn't angry. His face turned away in disgust. He was loving me throughout that. Wow. And so when we experience those feelings of shame and condemnation that just cause us to want to run away from God and hide our faces from him, that's the devil. That is not God. That's not true. He loves us throughout it all. And he just wants us to come to him with all of that and for us to tip our faces back and see his expression, see how much he loves us in those moments. That's so good. Yeah. I don't know if I explained it very well because it's very abstract, but it was this really amazing revelation for me. And so when I talk to friends um, here in Japan that are struggling with different shame, even, you know, Mm -hmm. I have some female friends that struggle with like porn fantasy and stuff like that. And you can just see it in faces. You can see the night before I did something and I feel shamed about, ashamed about. And so I share that story because I don't want shame to have even a second of our lives. I want us to say, like, go right to Jesus with everything immediately. Yes. And not allow the devil to make a time where we're not in relationship with God, even for like an hour, you know? That's so good. Yeah. Some people it's like that shame is, yeah, maybe it hinders them for an hour and for others, you know, it might be years where they just, yeah. like you said, they just believe that the face of God, the father face of Jesus toward them is a scowl or is like, yeah. um, or is even pitiful, like looking at us like, oh, how could you? Or yeah, but that's not his face to us. Like his face is, it, I love the verse that says like, he didn't even, he didn't even spare his own life. Do you think he wouldn't give you all things? Like, He's mm-hmm. like, I died so we could be connected. Like, I, I understand exactly what you did and what you and what you would do. And I chose you. Like, I want connection with you. Yeah. And of course, yeah, have- yeah, of course, he doesn't want us to continue in the very things that are destroying us. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's not it's not like, oh, girl, you know, do whatever you need. I'll still be here for you. It's not that type of mindset. But it's I guess it's going back to what we said about. Like he knew that you needed to be filled, that you were hungry for love. And that's what was leading you into all those, those scenarios and, you know, mm-hmm. into those, into those rooms. And he was saying like, I am here, you know, I can fill you. So that's really yeah. powerful. That's so good. And now, um, yeah, wow. How powerful. So 10 years walking one road now, 10 years, a new, <laughs> a new road. How has that how has that been, you know, you'd opened up this door, um, mm. you know, of like, obviously people can have a sexual desire and not kind of walk, walk the road of sexual expressing that desire, but you had, so it was kind of like, um, like in Song of Solomon, where it says like love was awakened. Mm-hmm. How have you handled now these last 10 years of trying to put that back to sleep? How, what have you have? Yeah. Tell me about that process. Yeah, so I think that two things really stand out to me about the the really important importance of being single. Mm-hmm. Two things that we need to learn. Number one is 
when our hearts are free from other affections, we really can learn what it is to walk in complete intimacy with Jesus so that when we are married, we have that intimacy with Jesus in strong first place. And then our husband comes second. Yeah. And can so you describe when you, when you say intimacy, like I think a lot of people use that word almost like as though they, they only use that word for sexual expression. But when you say intimacy, give me the, like the fuller definition of what you mean by that. Well, for me, um, even now when I'm, when I'm feeling like, you know, like I said, there's a roller coaster for the single life. Sometimes we're content and sometimes we feel, um, that, that desire in our heart is really strong. And so in times when I'm feeling like that, I'm, I ask myself what it is I'm really desiring. And it's usually things like, I really want to be cared for. I really want to feel secure in love. And then I realize that that is met in, in God. And so that closeness of relationship, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I remember when I was 17 years old, that's, that's in my journal. It was like, I, before I marry Jesus, I want, before I get married, before you bring my husband in my life, I really want to know intimacy with you. Mm. I really want you to be my first love so that, yeah, I don't know. That was just the cry of my heart as a 17 year old. And I feel that he really showed me that last year. So, um, yeah, that's so good. Okay. So intimacy, um, cause that, so I was asking about how, you know, how you manage you know, having sexual desires now. So you're saying one of the, one of the biggest keys is linking, like realizing so many of your needs can be met by relational connection with Christ, with God. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing for singleness is learning how to manage our sex drive. And so I think the messages that I was getting about marriage, um, I thought when you have a sex drive, you don't have to really, you just have to, you know, stuff it down because when you're married, it's all good. But I didn't really realize that who you are now, like, transmits to how you will be in marriage. And so if you do have an unbridled sex drive as a single person, like, that will manifest in your marriage. And so being single, it's a time to reign that because the Bible says we, we're supposed to reign all the members of our body. So our tongue, we're supposed to reign our tongue, which it says is the hardest thing to do. Wow. Harder than reigning sex drive. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also reigning in, yeah, our sexuality so that it won't be like, um, a, a, like a coursing river without riverbanks yes. and just wreaking havoc everywhere. You know, I hear, I heard really sad story of like, um, in marriage, unconsensual sex wow. happening. Wow. Like, yeah. And that really, I was like, oh my gosh, I think that whoever was doing that in the marriage did not have a disciplined sex drive as a single person. Come on. Like, that's, that's such a just good message. Yeah. So important. Oh my gosh. Because in marriage, sex is meant that we would give to each other, never take from each other unconsensually, but you have to rein that. You cannot let your sex drive master you. You have to ma- master your sex drive. And singleness is a really great time to practice that. Absolutely. So, that is so significant. Uh, yeah. So I did struggle with that with God. Um, about, you know, when you hit puberty, you start to like be aware of these things. And then for some people, they get married in their early twenties. But for me, like I've entrusted this really important decision of who I marry to God and I'm open to what he has, 
but I am really resting in that and just waiting for him. And so like, yeah, it's been interesting. So I have a few things that I've um, put in practice to help that. Like some practical suggestions and yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, give them to us. I'm sure you got some, I'm sure you got some single folk and maybe married folk who are like, teach me like, okay, what can I do to, to get, you know, so that I'm not mastered by my desires? What are some, yeah. some suggestions you have? I was even talking to my friend who's in a new relationship and she, we were just talking about, um, you know, how far is too far to go when you're like making out with your boyfriend and stuff. And I just thought, let's just make things easier for ourselves. And so if we really don't want to sleep with him before marriage, what can we make? How can we make it easier for ourselves to not cross that line? So it's not about what can I get away with, but it's really how can we just make life easier for ourselves in terms of in that in. And so staying away from when things get too heated up and stuff is what we were talking about. But um, Lisa Vivier wrote a book called Kiss the Girls and Made Them Cry. And um, in that book, she talks about lulling back to sleep what was awakened before its time. Mm. And so I've been doing that. I think people can have that awakened in many, many ways, especially now, like mm-hmm. advertisements are quite sexual, sexual totally. undertones, overtones sometimes. Um, PG shows on Netflix, sometimes without any warning, there's a sex scene right away. And so, um, yeah. So what I've been doing um I really, when I watch a show, I really check the IMDb on the parent guide. Cause I just really want to make things easier for myself. If things are not, if things are sleeping, I'm actually not frustrated. I feel content. Right. And so, um, I, so you said I the IMBD, is that what it's called? IMDb parent guide on net, uh, for any show or movie that you want to watch, you can just check and then they list, um, how much sexual content is in the show. And so I kind of take a look at that. And if it's, too much I just decide not to watch it because no need waking stuff up and making life harder yeah Yeah, totally literally what we feed we it gets bigger that's you know there's a thing about um if you spit a lot you actually your mouth starts to produce more saliva Mm -hmm. and if you wash your hair a lot your hair produces more oil and so if you're um feeding into your sex drive it actually gets more hungry and bigger yeah totally yeah. Um, just even to say that, a couple other recommendations of sites too are Common Sense. I think it's called Common Sense Media. And then another one mm-hmm. is um, Plugged In Online or other ones that also give that kind of overview. And and just for the record, um, like Brian and I, we are married and we still do the same thing. So because mm-hmm. like what you said, this isn't about just hanging on until you get married and then you can just have unrestrained sex drive. It's also Brian and I are committed to not... Um, like letting ourselves be stimulated by anything other than our each other, our marriage. So um, it's, I think it's a great habit to start now to even safeguard your future marriage of what, yeah. what you watch, what you, what you listen to, what you yeah put into yourself. Anyway, keep going. And yet what also, our team um, at Pure Heart Japan wrote a little blog about masturbation as well. And um, you know, masturbation also, it can just feed into that. And so mm-hmm. people find that if they lay that down, mm-hmm. that their sex drive is actually quiet, quietened. It's like mm. goes back to sleep. But if you continue to feed into that, it just 
rages more and then you feel like you have to pay more attention to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Different things like that help. Um, Some other things like, I think it's really important that we talk about sex, not shameful. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that the church should talk about it more, Mm -hmm. but as a single person, I need to know what is my limit for when I like the cup starts to overflow, (laughs) starts to wake stuff up. So I need to know what my limit is so that before that happens, I can excuse myself from the conversation or change topics or something like that. It just makes things easier for me. (laughs) So I do that as well. That's so good. I love that you're being diligent about guarding over your own heart and that you, because I just even think like, you know, people might say like, oh, that might feel so awkward or, but like, isn't your heart and isn't your contentedness worth that awkward moment of just saying, you know, excuse me, I'm just gonna step into the other, you know, into the other room or whatever you do. Every married couple will understand that because they remember being single. And so like, oh yeah, that's a good reminder that about, you know, Mm, that's so true. No one would think that that was weird. So married people also be merciful to the people, to the single people in your world. Don't forget. Yeah. yeah. I think people appreciate to um, have conversations about sex and um, hear about, you know, like I realistic expectations. Can, yeah. We sex. idealize marriage. We idealize sex sometimes. And so it's good to hear reality so that it's not this huge surprise once we get married. Do you know what I mean? So totally. it's helpful, but there needs to be a bit of a limit. For some people, they just need to know their own personal limits. That's really good. Um, I also have like this prayer that I pray um, <laughs> and I I write in blogs on Pure Heart about this kind of including God in this it's because our sexuality is not, not shameful at all. Right. And we can thank God for his perfect design. We can thank him for his timing as well. He, know, he knew how long we'd be single and he designed our sexuality He's not surprised by what's happening inside of us. And he's made a way for us to walk it out and just including him in this part of our life. And so this is kind of a prayer I wrote. It just said in times where um, things are going on and I just, I just need him. So I say, Hey God, my hormones feel like they're raging right now. Quiet my hormones that I would not burn with lust. I trust you. Paul said that being single was wonderful, that a person's affections could be fully yours But also you designed the concept of marriage and sex and you said that it was good. In my singleness, my desire is to know you as my first love, that that would remain through singleness and marriage. Let it be so. Bring me deeper. And if your plan is marriage for me, help me to be postured for that in your perfect timing. And just include him in that in that part of our life. You know, we don't have to do that alone at all. That's right. That's so good. He wants to empower us to do the things that he asks of us. That's one of the main definitions even of grace is the strength and ability to do the thing that he's called us to. So, yeah, yeah, his grace is sufficient for us in whatever the season is. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so good. Oh, man, I so appreciate this conversation that we've been able to have here here today. Thank you for your time and thank you for sharing, um, you know, just the journey that you've been on. And I know that it's going to be really valuable for other single men, men and women um, to learn a lot from just your perspective. So we bless the work that you're doing in Japan. Um, And again, anyone who's listening, give them a follow over at Pure Heart Japan and and you can reach out to Rihanna. um, If you have any questions, I know that she's eager 
to help people in this topic. Um, she has such a such a compassionate heart to support others. And and if you need to, you know, reach out to us if you want um, any of the details from the show notes and even that prayer that you said at the end there. I wonder if people might want a copy of that. So we'll see if we can find a way to link that into the, into the podcast as well. Um, yeah. Thanks again for being with us, Rihanna. Thank you so much, Bonnie. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll stay in touch and, uh, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds great. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope your life was impacted greatly. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at theunionmovement.com. For more information, visit our website, theunionmovement.com, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram with the handle at theunionmovement.com.